This is Shift Run Stop, a fun podcast about games and cultural stuff and comedy and interviews. We're outside again, it's very nice. Mm, it's a lovely warm September sitting amongst the leaves. Yeah, the leaves are coming down. Yes, raining upon our heads like <laughs> confetti in a in a tumble drop game. Um, <laughs> Speaking of which... Oh, what a segue. <laughs> We've got with us today Hayden Scott Barron, who is the creator of Tumbledrop and other games. Uh, is it Starfruit Games? Is your Yeah, Starfruit is my company. Cool. Well, welcome to Shift Run Stop. It's nice Thank to you. see you. Tumbledrop's probably uh, the game that you'd be most famous for. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was the first independent project I did after uh, working in the game industry for about five or six years. I started off in art and design and that sort of stuff, but I always wanted to move into games. And uh, eventually I taught myself 3D graphics and then I got a job um, doing characters for... Um, there's a game called Rollercoaster Tycoon. Yeah. I did the I did some graphics in Rollercoaster Tycoon 2. When I got there, we were working on the second expansion pack. And I just did like some uh, exciting looking buildings. All the shops had to be shaped like actual objects. So there was a popcorn stand, it'd be like a big popcorn thing. <laughs> and, yeah, so um, I made a bunch of those for a while. But uh, pretty quickly afterwards, I went on to Rollercoaster Tycoon 3, mm-hmm. in which was fully 3D. And I had to basically design and make like pretty much all the characters for that. Should I say um, Hayden's on Twitter is Docky, which I think where we came across. And I thought of you as an artist, like for a while, because you're always posting these amazing drawings of like manga characters and things that you've been doing that day and stuff. But you, would you think of yourself as an artist or like a game geek uh, or what? I think um, what I I tend to refer to myself as artist or game designer. Yeah. Unlike some games designers, it would be fair to say that you're completely hands-on through the whole process. Yes, absolutely. You're not uh, designing a game and then handing it over to a developer to make it for you. You, you, do, you do everything. Yeah, I do everything. Um, and that's actually one of the really fun parts about it, is that I, I can essentially come up with a vision and then like, you know, see it through to fruition. It's, um, you've got to be, make something really modest, unfortunately, but um, it's definitely nice to... It definitely feels better to... Um, to just have the whole thing like done by yourself. Mm. In 2002, I set up this uh, comic publisher called Sweat Drop, which is a reference to it's like a a reference to some visual grammar used in Japanese uh, style comics. It was originally essentially just a group of say around eight or so artists, and we all basically started publishing together under the same label and like you know, sharing prints and things and attending events at the same time. And this essentially grew very gradually, but um, well, actually, no, I say it grew gradually. I guess it grew, you know, a decent rate. And we ended up doing uh, some books with publishers under the Sweatdrop name and uh, uh, doing a lot of events. Um, and yeah, so that's and that's still that's basically been over ten years now, and it's still going. We've actually uh, a number. A good number of the artists within Threadrop have gone on to become professional comic artists and uh, win awards and things like that as well. And are they manga artists? Yeah, so it's principally kind of like manga-ish style. Um, that's kind of like what unifies the the group. Um, just because there's a couple of small differences, like uh, the Japanese-style comics tend to be black and white, so like if they're all black and white together, it doesn't look as peculiar as okay. like mixing um, some colour ones and some black and white ones and stuff like that. Am I right in thinking that they're, they're backwards as well, that you read from the wrong, the wrong actually, end? Well, actually, the Japanese ones are backwards because mm-hmm. they're written backwards like because of the way that the pages turn, whereas our ones are 
forwards. Okay. Because, yeah, we stuck to the left to right English thing. Mm. We figured that, you know, our words actually go that way. So yeah. we don't need to flip our artwork. Um, and, yeah, so that's actually been pretty well received. So can we buy those online or are they yeah, shops? Yeah, we have, a, we have a, an online shop called sweatdrop.com. But some of our stuff is also on Amazon and other places like that. And do you still draw for them? Or I do. In ah. fact, I was drawing something um, just this morning for them, ah. for a small project we're doing. I don't do as much work with them, but I'm ho- um, but I'm excited to basically start new projects and then um, aiming to get some stuff out in uh, next year.
yeah, the reason I want, the reason I kind of like left the games industry to some extent, but you know, left the working for companies, was that I wanted to make games that people weren't otherwise necessarily going to make. Mm. So I've been playing around a lot recently with some simple, um, actually some some puzzle adventure things, um, which have some harken back slightly to. Um, some older 8-bit games such as like Dizzy and things like that um, but get away from some of the older games in which they're basically brutally difficult um, so trying to find some qualities of older games like basically people that used to play games and can't quite figure out why they don't enjoy games anymore I'm actually keen to bring those people back in um, I'm not necessarily uh, my approach isn't necessarily to like pitch my game at them but almost figure out what they hate and like um, just file those down a bit actually when I was doing when we were doing stuff for comics um, we ended up basically having a large female readership um, and a lot of my approach with, with that was um, because oh how do you make things for women it's like well just don't annoy women <laughs> just like if you find something that's annoying to women like don't put that on your cover <laughs> like you don't have to pander to them but yeah. you, like if you just stop pissing them off <laughs> maybe they'll enjoy a product and that's that seems that's basically my approach is essentially stop pissing people off with your product yeah. you've been uh, watching a thing what's what's get lamp get lamp is um a documentary mm. about the days of text adventure games, ah. the glory days. Okay. And um, and it's very good. And it's it's just made by one guy. This chap, get Jason Scott, who we've been talking to on Twitter a little bit, so he might come on the show. He lives in America, but we can do something. Hello, um, Jason. Yeah, hi, Jason. Thanks for chatting to us. Um, and he's he's just done it all on his own. He's interviewed all these amazing nerds, and they're so nerdy. It's brilliant. Like he's gone to he's found all these old Infocom stuff. You know, obviously, Infocom was one of the main companies that made uh, text adventure games in those days, especially like really puzzly ones and really hard ones. Yeah, and it's great. And it, and every shot, he he sort of does what we do with pointing the camera at someone and making them talk about them, mm. what they remember of the time. Yeah. And uh, and it's it's quite long. It's like over an hour long, I think. And there's just dozens of interviews, and so, some are quite short. And he just jumps around a bit, but it's really slickly done. And um, how do you watch Get Lamp? Is it on Vimeo or do you buy it? You order it. it? The... You order it off him, I right. think. You and go, he sends you, go to... you a DVD or And he sends you a DVD, oh. yeah. So I think you go to get the Get Lamp website or whatever okay. and see if you can... Uh, we'll put some link on here um, when this goes up. Yeah, it's it, as somebody who tries to edit like two and a half or three minutes of video a week, <laughs> and it takes me about a day, I f- fully um, empathise with anyone trying to make a feature film, essentially, <laughs> out of interviews. So, and very good quality, very nicely filmed, and yeah, right, well done, uh, Jason. And yeah, as I can say, every shot has got like, you know how we have in the background of our shots, it's like a blue wall, <laughs> or sometimes a white wall. But he's got this lamp, which is like you'd imagine the sort of um, storm lantern that you'd pick up in one of these games, yes. you know. Um, and uh, and hidden it somewhere in the shot of every every interview. Oh, cool. So you have to look at part of the game. If it's getting a bit boring, like, where's the lamp in this shot? And you have to look in the background and see if you can see it, which is cute. Um, but, yeah, did you play those kind of games when you were growing up as a yes, young I did. lad? Yes, I did. I remember you? having, on the, on the Commodore 64, I remember having various text adventure games mm. I can't think of, e- of what any of them are called now but they were generally the rubbish cheap ones that I had great genre I mean mm. a lot of uh, a lot of happy memories 
frustratedly trying to open things and <laughs> take things and get things yeah. and put that Typing with that. different verbs. Yeah, <laughs> just, just generally conjugating verbs all afternoon. <laughs> That's what you'd end up doing. Yeah. That's what we did for entertainment kids <laughs> when we were in those days. I'm in computers. I'm in the mainframe. I'm in your headphones. You made a game which is like a toy. Um... In a, in a good sort of playful way but you've also done comics and comics I would think you need quite a good sense of story to create a comic strip yeah that's actually one of the peculiar things is when um, I'm, in fact a lot of the video game stuff I've been doing since I went to, uh, went independent has been somewhat sickeningly cute uh, basically like a lot of colourful cute characters in fact my, the project I'm currently working on is about a penguin trying to save some baby penguins yeah so it's, it's not psycho it's not high drama um, meanwhile um the comics I wrote, uh, well, actually, they tended to be drama. Like, they're all, like, introspective, like, you know, uh, stories about, like, emotions, and um, they deal with, like, uh, rape and murder, and all sorts of, like, self-doubt and, like, you know, development in terms of human life and relationships, and just, like, and that was kind of where I was going with comics. To do that effectively as a video game, you either need, like, a lot, like, a high budget, or you have to be doing something kind of, like, quite alternative and artsy, and I'd like to do that, but it's definitely not, um where I'm driven in terms of like game design mm. yeah I definitely approach the two differently you get games people who are really into narrative and think that story is really important and then you get games people who don't and yet you're interesting because you do narrative and you do games that don't necessarily have it or do you think Tumbledrop has a story no I don't think Tumbledrop <laughs> has a story and I definitely like um, I think Roller Coaster Tycoon is sort of a Sort of story. Oh, actually, that's one of the weird things where they end up having like some sort of like fairly pale story just to you know keep things going. And I right. guess if you have that many hours of content, you need some sort of flavour. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't need to be rich. Um, whereas um, I'm actually a big fan of uh, a lot of the independent games that really do tackle storytelling, um, especially mature storytelling. And I'm actually involved in some projects. I'm doing, for example, I'm doing the art on a heavily delayed project um, I'm almost afraid to like to sum it up there's a lot of dealing with suicide and um, yeah it's a very peculiar um, short um, story that essentially my friend of mine wrote and he's made this game or rather like we're making this game together and I'm doing the art and the art is um, very kind of minimal it's um, uses maybe like four colours only and it's, um, it's slightly abstract almost um, to look like a theatre stage so it's still mature, but it's not um, detailed either. So my feeling on that is that it's similar to how a painting, for example, might do that. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be defined. Like if the lack of definition is often better for the the viewer or the reader, or in this case, like yeah, the, the gamer. Um, and for a story like that, uh, the writing is all the definition you need for the characters. Like you don't need to appreciate exactly what their facial expressions are when it's clear what's going on from the actions. Um, just how, yeah, again, with theatre, you view it from a distance. Um, you don't, it's not all about, like, the, the actors' faces. It's a lot about, like, you know, the positions and the, and the script as well. But like you say, it's, it's easier to communicate a language, like in theatre, that's kind of universal and immediate, but not difficult to make in a game, you know? Yeah, have you ever seen, I think it's Indian, uh, like, the... Shadow theatre stuff? I was just thinking of Shadow uh, theatre. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and like that stuff is mature. Like it's 
there's nothing uh, a lot of that stuff deals with essentially murder and other types of um, what we cons- what we consider to be mature storytelling um, the acting if you like of the uh, the figures uh, often represents people way more effectively than people do because you can say well that person they're clearly a bit too old for that part or like you know they're clearly not quite pulling off the emotion that's necessarily there with something a little bit more abstract you tend to either fill in the gaps or yes. you can just like or you can actually make sure something is so heavily like uh, designed uh, t- to suit something mm. but yeah essentially you can do anything it's much more creative and um, I think it, in some ways it's much more in tune with uh, classical, classical art such as paintings as well Hello this is Simon out of Trev and Simon sorry Trev can't be here today but he's dead. This is Shifter Unstop. Oh, I wish I hadn't said that now. Can I not say that? That's terrible. <laughs> do you want to do it again? Hello, this is Simon out of Trev and Simon. Sorry, Trev, can't be here. He's in prison. You're listening to Shifter Unstop. <laughs> Are you getting that? Ooh, oh, blimey. Liquid snacks. Budweiser Brew Number 66. This is uh, this is only lightly carbonated, Ooh. and uh, Budweiser claim that uh, the young people of today are on the lookout for a smoother, um, slightly sweeter um, lager mm, that nice. they can presumably then drink more of. Uh, this is a four percent lager, and um, it smells quite sweet. Mm. It's like you know those little stubby. Um, like Alsace beers, mm. sort of like a horrible cheap French lager that you'd buy in a hypermarket. Mm. Very easy to drink. Uh, it's currently on offer, I think, about two forty nine for four bottles. Very reasonable. The, well, the only thing, the, the, the other thing that the, that's uh, even more reasonable in these uh, uh, recession conscious times is um, sometimes you might be tempted to check out the uh, Sainsbury's, for instance, do a basics lager that is uh, only two percent alcohol, ninety five p for four cans. <laughs> It's incredible. I, and I don't know. I don't know if that's enough alcohol for you to actually get a hangover, like given the amount of fluid that you're having to drink in terms of the beer in the first place. I think but it's perhaps, a. It's perhaps a Ben Holdaker can can write in and let us know. Another another experiment, like from from a major from a major brewer. They don't play this up on the bottle, but I, I believe this this comes from the Heineken Corporation. This is called Desperados. This is lager. With the taste of tequila at it. Oh wow! And it's a five point nine percent. Is it? Oh, you see that? Now we're now we're now we're oh, racking yeah. up. In. It tastes like lager mixed with coke. Do you, is it made with real tequila? Um, I don't think so. I think it's I, I think it's uh, flavoured with tequila. But as oh, hang on, it says ingredients: uh, citric acid. Oh, I, I'm reading this in French. To be <laughs> honest, deeply inhaling it. <laughs> I can smell the citric acid. Aromatic compound, seventy-five percent tequila. tequila but no, right. That's quite a nice. I like, and I like the way the bottle has got a Desperado sort of like uh, embossed in the side of it. It looks like a, a, a Western um, saloon. It, it does. Yes. It, 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 it does indeed. Very nice, and, and it says it. It was brewed in France, so maybe this is the French idea of a cowboy drink. If uh, if Desperados is too strong for you, from the people who've made a lot of the ready-to-drink flavoured uh, uh, ciders that we've also featured on the show, now uh, St Helier have diversified into what they're calling real shandy, Ooh. and what they were like, uh, it's uh, as you can see, it's three point five percent alcohol. So it's a lager shandy, pre it's, premixed. It's premixed. It's like a sort of big nuky brown sort of bottle. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hefty, br- hefty bottle. It's Good if you're into fighting. <laughs> <laughs> mm, very lemony. Yeah, it's not. As lagery, as considering it's three point five percent, I was expecting it to be stronger. They claim it's made with two thirds lager to one third lemonade. It must be very lemony lemonade. <laughs> it's who knows. 
it's like a lemon and lime that you get in a pub with those kinds really of sweet, yeah. really. I mean, if you're 17, not that I'm condoning underage boozing, but if you're 17 and you want to get pissed, this is the, this is the drink for you. If you just turned 18. <laughs> the, uh, St. Helier claim that, they also, that they're also going to do a version which is large, lager and ginger beer. Mm. I haven't seen that in the shops yet. We may do a roundup. I, d- I don't know who, has, uh, who, who does make hard shandy out <laughs> of um, lager and ginger beer, but maybe we'll come back to that in the future. Mm. The, the game's not over yet, or is it? Because as you pointed out, Rue, for, for the benefit of any underage drinkers, or perhaps uh, shift run stop listeners, uh, who aren't who aren't drunk while they listen to to the show? I don't know how that happens. Um, <laughs> Why wouldn't you be? Also, also available, also available from Cyber Candy, the uh, the shop and uh, the shops and website. Have you got shares? No, I'm thinking of of investing. Um, I found I found I, I was unable to resist this. I think it's from China, and it's called children's beer. Well, as you can see, <laughs> <laughs> it's a picture of a child. That's my class. I can't remember anymore. I've had too many sips of tequila beer. I like the packaging. Mm, it's got a, it's got a bit of a face to it. Oh dear. Oh, so this doesn't have any alcohol in it. No, as as you'd hope with a children's beer. It has lots of apples in it, though. I think. Yeah, it's like it's 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 a little. I bought it at the same time. It reminds me. It reminds me of our old friend Lucky Cider. Lucky Cider. It's, our, our yeah. old inappropriately like. <laughs> Although, to its credit, it does. It actually tastes of apples more than Lucky yeah. Cider does. Lucky does Cider tastes of lemonade. <laughs> this tastes of apple juice. So, yes, yeah, so I'm afraid that, that, that concludes uh, this week's round at the bar. Um, <laughs> no, no, no real winners. I mean, I, I, I assume Bud, Budweiser think that this, this brew number 66, which they, they claim to be the iPhone of lagers. Is, what? Is, going is that their to, phrase? I'm not sure. They have said that people will pay more for things like the iPhone that are cool. Yeah, but why not, won't they? <laughs> won't that apply to our new lager? Slightly less fizzy beer isn't going to be. Uh, oh, it's actually more expensive, but everything being less. And it's it's uh, it's it's a smaller bottle. But it's more expensive. Maybe, maybe, maybe they, maybe they will put the price up. Currently, as wow. I said, it's a, it's a bargain in Tesco. Oh yeah, okay. Right. And my, my oh, favourite right. will probably be the St Helier Shandy. Oh. That's uh, mainly because of the bottle. I mean, that's that's a hefty bottle. You see, I think <laughs> on, on, on peel on the top trumps value alone. The fact that Desperados is up to five point nine percent alcohol. <laughs> it wins on strength. <laughs> Although the uh, the Chinese Japanese lucky child beer <laughs> definitely definitely wins on the uh, the, the artwork. Stamped on the side. If you if you've got a, if you've got a kid who like uh, who 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 really wants to drink beer, I, I think that's the cleverest thing about the can mm-hmm. is that it is supposed Rather to look than like. Saying no, just <laughs> give them some. Give them something else. Just give them this. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to say goodbye. Yes. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. <laughs> oh, hang on, that's a funny one. Someone's. Not, are you recording? Yeah. Um, so we're just talking about the forum, listeners. You've, you've caught us at a private moment. We're, as you remember, in the last episode, we launched our Shift Run Stop forum. Forum.shiftrunstop.co.uk. And, um, and everybody's been joining in and chatting to us and telling us what they listen to and what they like on our show and what, they, what games they're going to bring to our games night. And what guests they think we should get, which yeah. is, I think, a bit presumptuous. Yeah, we don't really approve of that. <laughs> we like finding our own guests. No, I mean, it's, it's useful and that we like suggestions, but to be honest, most of the fun for us is like thinking about who we want to be on our show. It's our show. <laughs> then begging them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so someone, uh, Lopter, has just posted, mostly on the, on the uh, what do you listen to thing, apart from Chiffon Stop, Mostly I listen to Mrs. Lopter telling me to get off the internet and do some work. So, a bit of a witty uh, 
twist on the... I like our forum users, they're nice. They're lovely, aren't they? It's yeah. like putting a human face on the, the normally invisible listenership to Shiffer and Stop. Yes. The, well, my one criticism of our forum users is that they're not filling in their profiles properly. Oh. Because there's a thing on the profile where you can put your interests, and I think that's the best bit, obviously, <laughs> just do loads. And, um, and mine's like all horses and you know, <laughs> things I like, retro computers. Um, but a lot of them, I think, oh, I wonder what they're interested in, because they've been following us for ages, and I click on it, and there's just nothing there. They haven't bothered to fill it in. Oh. So please, listeners, fill in your... Go and sort that out. Yeah, we're interested in your interests. This week we had Docky. Hayden Scott Barron. Yes. And he's done he's done a very nice thing for us, hasn't he, Leila? He's done many nice things for us, I think. Well, over, just over. appearing on Shiffer and Stop was quite mm-hmm. nice. But then, to round it all off, after we finished uh, the interview, while we were chilling out and eating snacks and having yeah. a cup of tea afterwards, he drew some tapes, tape uh, inlays. He's a, he's a lovely uh, sort of manga artist, so he's done these really beautiful, really ridiculously cute pictures for us, and they just look like something out of a... I don't know, Pokemon or something, but even Kita. We're doing an offer on these tapes, aren't we? We are. So, uh, as we've done in the past, uh, these will be a very special limited edition drawn by the guest tape. There's only three of them. There's one with a little bird with his hands up in the air, uh, which is just insanely cute. There's another one (laughs) which is... Yeah, a little chick with with baby chicks falling out of the sky towards it. There's another one which is pretty much the same gesture, but from a, a really cute little sort of anime girl. Oh boy, who knows? Oh boy. Good point. And then the, the final one looks like a, a screenshot from Tumbledrop in that there's lots yeah. of Tumbledrop shapes. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, yeah, I mean, I was going to say that's the best one, but I think they're all pretty decent, aren't they? Well, that's um, the one you would have. That's that's the one that you would, you would easily be able to say who that was by because it's Tumbledrop. No, I mean, they're all beautiful and I thoroughly recommend paying the small amount of money to get this beautiful custom art that you yeah. normally have to pay a small amount of money on <laughs> iTunes or <laughs> whatever to get on the App Store. So you can get the, uh, the Docky episode with his hand-drawn cover for it. You can, uh, you can get these, and I suggest you go quick, because they will fly off the shelves. Do we have shelves for them? Yeah. We could make we- a shelf. But uh, yeah, go to chiffronstop.co.uk slash buy-tapes, mm. uh, and the first three people to order uh, can get them, and then after that it will shut yeah, no more docky tapes. That's it. We'll sever his hands. <laughs> um. Never again. <laughs> when people try to do narrative in games, they get somewhat caught up with the game part of it, and if anything, spoil the idea of narrative as a game. Like mm. someone's actually trying to like get through it in the same way as they would get through a book or a movie, and. Um, and the idea of getting stuck, you know, like you might in a normal game, but if you get stuck in a narrative-based game, it's like saying, well, what are you doing to the narrative at that point? It's almost unprecedented for a piece of narrative to become inaccessible. Um, like, so inaccessible that you can't proceed to the, the, the end of the piece of narrative because you haven't solved a, a sliding block puzzle. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or you forgot to pick up the towel at the very beginning. Of yeah, the exactly. Game. It's like saying, <laughs> yeah, sorry, you have to rewind Shinda's list and watch it from the start. But this time, <laughs> it's not to say that you know, these things should be completely uninteractive because I think that's dull too. I think you know, the idea of just having a big chunk of text and um, that's not really the best use of a medium. You should, at that point, write a novel or a screenplay or just like figure out what you're doing with what medium you're working in. And sometimes you get this very uncomfortable mix and you just kind of got to find where things work a little bit better. What are some of your uh, favourite examples of storytelling in games? I mean, for, for me, something like you know, Broken Sword is a, is a lovely, uh, lovely example. 
I do like the yeah I do like the old point and click games, but if anything, I'd say that they're almost like the the, the perfect example of like that problem. Yeah. Like, um, and uh, when things get slightly less comedy, like the more comedy they are, the more they get away with it. Right. Because like you know, who cares about like you know the plight of Guybrush? You know, the, you know um, the Monkey Island games are fantastic, but like you you're not going to. Go, well, you know, if I don't find out what happens to Guybrush, yeah. then you know, I'm, I'm going to be very unfulfilled. And I guess uh, Sam and Max as well gets away with yeah for the same reason. The, the comedy helps a lot there, whereas um, the Broken Sword stuff is and some of the other like games like that, they're definitely leaning on a slightly well, um, not like mature as such, but certainly like less in, like less cartoony and less sure. um, comedy than um, Monkey Island. So, do you think it works? Are you a fan? I, yeah, I do think it works. Um, I think it's imperfect. <laughs> so if anything, like sometimes playing games like that is slightly frustrating for me because I'm playing it going, it could be better. Like, what? How? Like, how can this be fixed? So I'm trying to think. If I was trying to think of, um, well, actually, one of my this is a very peculiar uh, example. I hope um, some of your listeners get it. Um, one of my favourite pieces of storytelling in in a game um, is actually. It's not in a story-based game as such, but there's a game called Knights on the Sega Saturn. It's by the people who made Sonic, and it's a game in which you basically fly around as a kind of jester in people's dreams to help them get through their their difficulties. And it's very like light, childish stuff. So basically, like the theory is that um, these two children they have some anxiety in their in everyday life. They have all the essentially abilities, almost like their emotions stripped away from them. The only one they're left with is like hope. It's, I mean, it's really cheesy, but it works. And and so as you're going through this dream environment, you're gradually picking up these like essentially these coloured balls but if you look a little bit more into it you kind of figure out that each of these coloured balls like represents like one of their emotions or abilities almost and so as you're gathering them up you're essentially building up their strength as a person but at the start of each level you um, start as this child and you walk into uh, this area and you essentially get transformed into this uh, knight's dream character uh, who flies around and stuff like that and on the final stage um, what they did is uh, something slightly different. The child was basically put in like a floating island uh, above the city where they lived, and you could see the city where they lived, and they're just on this floating island that looked like part of where they lived. And it's like, well, I have nothing I can do. Like, there's nowhere to go. Like, the the character I usually go up to, he's not there. And because of literally the lack of options, all you end up doing, you go, well, I can just walk off the edge. That's all I can do. And so you're actually forced at that point to just make the decision to step off, like you know. Uh, and presumably they you know, plummet to your death and you kind of like watch and the child just basically falls falls and it doesn't like go into a cutscene or anything it just basically pans down and you kind of see them like fall into nothing but then the child basically starts flying on their own and the idea is that you know now they've developed all their emotions and stuff again they can essentially fly without the aid of like you know, anything else they can do it on their own and it's essentially a kind of like a fairy tale type story but um, the idea of giving it to the player like without spelling it out or without saying hey guess what and even if the player doesn't even get it like you know if they don't actually understand what's going on it's still communicated it to them and I think that's actually uh, that sort of thing could be taken much farther it's so nice when the player like almost realises something just out of the sheer lack of options in the game um, you know that, that's uh, part of like story or part of that character rather than like always using narrative or always using um, other methods to drive things forward and the idea of repetition as well that's you know, something you do see in fairy tales and, and oh yeah definitely 
And I, I love that because it gives you the opportunity to, you essentially, you establish something and then you disrupt it. Mm. And that's uh, you know, super powerful. The game itself is actually really like clunky and uh, probably doesn't even like, it certainly doesn't play that well now, but like certain parts of what they're trying to do storytelling wise. But then they ended up doing a horrible sequel for the Wii, in which um, that was full of cutscenes and uh, talking owl, and it's just like, oh man, <laughs> it was like, yeah, that, I couldn't. That was very upsetting to me <laughs> to see that. Oh no, this is actually something I thought was really effective, and they end up ruining it. We should say thank you, Doki, as I'm going to insist on calling you. Thanks so much. It's really interesting. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to Shift Run Stop. ShiftRunStop.co.uk. I'm in computers.